Colossians 2, 16 through 19. Hear ye the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. amen. I love technology. When I was younger, I would take apart different electronic things just to see what was on the inside. Looking at a circuit board fascinated me. It was cool. I used to look at how a lot of different things worked and that interests me. If you want to get my attention quickly, talk about technology. If you want me to buy something that I probably had no business buying at the time and it's technology, just let me touch it a few times and I'll probably get it. I even remember old technology. It doesn't have to be the latest and the greatest. I like some of the old long-lasting standard technology, too. I like records. I like the sound of music coming off of a record. I liked when they had the high-fidelity sound. They called it hi-fi. That was, that was cool to me, hi-fi. And it was the way that the information was transferred because the fidelity meant it was true to the original so high fidelity was meaning that it was a, high, a sound that was highly true to the original. And then we go to wireless information being transferred. We have Wi-Fi, wireless fidelity. And now they're working on something that's even faster than Wi-Fi. Uh, they're calling it in its infancy stage, Li-Fi. Uh, because it is transmitted by light. The light flashes and the light sends the information from one item to another. But no matter how you transfer the information, everybody wants it as soon as possible, right? Whether it be word of mouth, whether it be a phone call, whether it be a newspaper, whether it be a television show, whether it be whatever, we want our information as fast as possible but the information doesn't mean anything if it doesn't come from the right source. Your information is only as good as its source. So if you have somebody that's always on the up and up of what's going on, but you know that they may not tell the truth all the time, 
that source is that information is no longer valuable to you because you don't trust the source. Your information is as good as the source. And that is what Paul is talking about when he writes to this church in Coloss in Colossians when he says he wants us all to be united in Christ. I read 16 through 19, but that's coming in on the back end of the entire letter that he wrote, and it's actually a part of a hymn that he's talking about. And, and, and it starts uh, a lot earlier, and they, think, they say around about verse 6 where he says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him. He wants us to be united in Christ. He wants us to be united in Jesus. Jesus Christ is the source. And being united in Christ not only means for us to be united in each other, but we also have to be united in Christ. We have to be united in Jesus. That's what we call Christians because we are those who follow Christ. See, we can be united with each other and that just means we all get along or at least agree to disagree. But we can all be getting along and agreeing to disagreeing, but out here doing foolishness, heading the wrong way. So we have to be united in Christ. And when they talk about being united in Christ, that means we have to be in about what Christ is doing or what Christ has said. Uh, There was a book I read uh, a while back that was based on Colossians, and it was written by Frank Viola, a man by the name of Frank Viola and Leonard Sweet, and they called it the Jesus Manifesto. And they talked about the fact that we as a church have gotten so big into not wanting to hurt people's feelings and and so big into trying to pack our seats full of people that we have stopped teaching about Jesus. We are concerned about what's popular when Jesus wasn't even popular in his time. He did some talking and once people got enough of what he said, they crucified him. Now that was part of a bigger bigger plan, but you got to understand that sometimes when you do things, sometimes when you are leading, sometimes when you're on the side of right, that everything is not going to go your way. Everybody's not going to agree with what you have to say. They might not like you. And so we have done this in order to keep our buildings packed because, to be honest, if the building is packed, that means more people are given. And if more people are given, that means we get more money. So people don't talk about certain things in the church because of job security issues. And so we have gotten away from just teaching Jesus because we want to be friends with everybody. Now, that doesn't mean because we are Christians, we need to treat people evilly. That doesn't mean because we are Christians, we, but we ought not be trying to compromise our beliefs. And so in Jesus' manifesto, one of the things that they talked about is that Christians don't follow Christianity. Christians follow Christ. Christians don't preach themselves. Christians proclaim Christ. Christians don't point people to core values. Christians point people to the cross. Christians don't preach about Christ. They preach Christ. Now, what are you saying, Pastor, when he says all that? Basically, it's saying that you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. But walking the walk and talking the talk are not separated from each other. They're one and the same. 
we value one over the other sometimes when we deal with people. They may not say what they mean, but they did what they said, and so that's okay. But when we talk about Christ, Christ is not separated from his teachings. Christ is not separated from his teaching. We've gotten into this habit now because we believe, and, it, and rightfully so, that God is love. God is love. But we have talked about doing things out of love that aren't necessarily things that God wants us to do. That's not free passage to try to judge people, but I'm saying that you, we, we have got, there are people today that I hear almost once a week talk about what Jesus would feel about a particular situation if Jesus were here today. And their argument is, is because Jesus told us to love one another. I love my children. I love them with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. I, I can't imagine what life would be like without my children. But I, and if you do something to one of my children, you can do and get away with a lot of stuff if you do it to me. That's okay if you treat Johnny Simpson Jr. not too bad. But if you treat Johnny Simpson III or L.B. Simpson bad, you're going to have some problems in your life. But even though I love my children with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind, when they do wrong, they still need to be disciplined. You still have to teach them, teach them right from wrong. You can't just say, oh, I love you, so that's okay to continue to do that wrong. No, you have to teach them right along. That's actually loving them. So you can't separate Jesus from the teachings. And we have attempted to separate Jesus from the teachings in an effort to show love. But we have to be careful when we talk about what we think Jesus would have done if Jesus was in the situation. Because sometimes we think what Jesus would have done and it doesn't line up with what's in here. Study to show thyself approve a workman needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. So we have to walk the walk and we have to talk the talk and we can't point people to core values. We can't point people to, uh, point people rather to nice things and make them feel good. We got to point them to the cross. Jesus hung, bled, and died for our sins. And we've gotten in a, in a, in a, in a, a mindset that we have outgrown sin. We're past that. That's Old Testament thinking. But the Bible says that all have sinned. And have fallen short of the glory of God. If you could save yourself, there would be no need for Jesus. But since you can't save yourself, you might want to point to the cross. And so he's telling them in the, in the first verses to, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And that they need instructions because the church, Colossians was a church in an area called Coloss. They, they had not met Paul directly. Paul taught somebody who went out to teach them and they were trying to practice church. And not that they weren't doing it. Practice is probably not. They were actually trying to be a church, but they got caught up in some of the surrounding people around them. And the people were trying to tell them that you're not doing it right. You need a couple extra things. And not only were you not doing it right, there were other religions surrounding that area that were trying to convert them out of the way, which is what they called people who followed Jesus at the time. They were trying to get them away from the way. 
And so he wrote this letter to let him know that you don't want to be caught up in some of these outside philosophies. And so they want to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and he's giving them the instruction to get them right back on track. Around about verse 8 it says, See, no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. I like the way uh, uh, the Message Bible translates those verses because it says in, in Message Version, watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings but that's not the way of Christ everything God gets expressed in him so that you can see and hear clearly you don't need a telescope a microscope or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him but when you come to him the fullness that comes together for you his power extends over everything smooth teaching sounds real good if you are not rooted in something. Smooth teaching sounds good if you're not rooted in anything and people will take you away from that. Because if you're not standing for something, if you're not rooted, you'll fall away. My biggest problem when it comes to Christianity, my biggest problem when it comes to following Jesus is I watch people grow up in the church and then grow away from the church. And I'm not talking about they, they had a fallout with the pastor and something like that. When I say grow away, I mean they walk completely away. Why? Because somebody who was in a completely different religion was able to tell them more about their religion than they had learned in the church. And it's not always that the pastor wasn't teaching. Sometimes it's that they weren't paying attention. But then they go and they join these other religions and they do it with fervor and discipline and, and are excited because they're still angry at what they didn't have. But you had it started with somebody getting in front of them and talking loud and saying nothing. And so they take them away from the church with that smooth teaching. And if they're not rooted in Christianity, if they don't spend time studying the word, somebody can tell them anything. So we can't be caught up in this different philosophies and, and the smooth talk and the intellectual double talk. But not only can we not be caught up in that, we as pastors have to hold accountable and teach. I can't just say stuff that keeps me here, keeps me paid. I have to teach the word in season and out of season for reproach and rebuke. I have to teach the word. And not only do I have to teach the word, we all have to study the word. Sunday morning can't be the only time you open your Bible. So there were false teachers that were encouraging them to try to submit to the elements and trying to get them away. And not only were there things like that, there were people who were in the way that were getting caught up in other stuff regarding circumcision and the law and all these other things. And, he, and Paul is trying to make it plain for them. Don't worry about all that. Worry about Jesus. 
and the smooth talking and the false teaching, I, 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 I come across that a lot. And, and, it, and it's funny for me to watch people go somewhere that I've already been. And so I have a couple of people who I know that are maybe 15 years younger than me or maybe a little bit more. And they're going through this stage now where they think that they have learned something new. And, and, and they think that they're blowing some people's minds. And, and one thing I've watched somebody talk about is, uh, oh, yeah, I bet you didn't know they took books out the Bible. Why you believe in God? They took books out the Bible. How do you know that that's the truth? Let's talk about that. First off, it's 2016. If you want to find those books they took out the Bible, they sell them. Matter of fact, you can go right to your family Christian bookstore or whatever Christian bookstore you're at, and you can walk right in and they have them with the Apocrypha in them. Right there. Plain as day. They sell them like that. So it's not being hidden. There's no, there's no conspiracy to hide these books that got taken out the Bible. Furthermore, there's a reason why they got taken out the Bible. Going back to when we were talking about information and the source, you consider the source. The gospel according to Mark is in the Bible because it was written by a man by the name of John Mark. Who is John Mark? John Mark walked with Peter. John Mark rolled with Peter. So most of the time when you saw Peter, you saw John Mark. And who's Peter? Peter walked with Jesus. So, if John Mark walked with if John Mark walked with Peter and Peter walked with Jesus, and all of that was going on at the same time, and the Gospel according to Mark was written about fifty years after Jesus's uh, 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 death, burial, and resurrection, that's a pretty close source. These are people that actually saw, yep, I saw him on the cross. Yep, I saw him get up. Yep, I saw the nails in his hands. I saw it. Consider the source. The same thing with Matthew and Luke. Those came after Mark. Mark's the oldest Bible, and those were written about 100 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's when they started putting it to paper. But these were written by people who walked with Jesus. They saw him. Luke got a shout out in, in some of the letters to Paul. Luke the physician and he wrote Acts which is, is our history of the church. These are people who were there. They were watching it. And then you have John which is the same thing written by the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was there. I saw it. Saw him go up. Saw him go down. Saw him get back up. I was there. I saw it. I raced to the tomb to find it empty. Let me write this down. Let me talk about this. The source. You start talking about these books that were taken out the Bible. Taken out. And in the smooth talking, you hear about these gospels that people have made up. These were written three and four hundred years after the time of Jesus. By people who were never there. So if I'm a trusted source, if I'm going to ask somebody what happened on the corner last week, I'm going to ask somebody that's on the corner, right? I'm going to ask somebody that walked with him. I'm going to ask somebody that saw him because you consider the source. 
These were written by people who were there walking and talking with him. This is firsthand information. This is not something somebody decided to write three or four hundred years later. I just got finished writing a paper on the history of this church for my United Methodist history class. And it's going to turn into a book just based on the information I got. But, you know, I got a good grade on that. I got an A minus on the paper, but I got an A minus on the paper because I went to the source. I didn't just say that the church was founded in 1866. I pulled the Galveston County marriage records and saw that Samuel Osborne performed a wedding here in January of 1866. I went to the source and then I printed out that copy and put that in the paper. I didn't just say that we moved to the building in 1908 with F. Gary. I got the paper. I got, the, I got a copy of the deed the $200 a month note and put that in the paper. I didn't just say that the cornerstone was laid in 1920 by St. Lawrence Lodge number 258 of the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Texas. I went to the source, put a picture in there. So you consider the source. And so when people start talking about that smooth talking about Bibles, uh, about the books being taken out the Bible, they were taken out because they were three and 400 years later by people that had nothing to do with it. Consider the source. It sounds nice to say that. It sounds nice to say that there's something about a, a conspiracy to people keep people blinded and keep people in the dark. But consider the source. Consider the source. And when you consider the source, everything is much more clear. And so it matters not about all these people adding all this different philosophy and different things into it. He's saying, Paul is saying, stick to Jesus. And if you stick to Jesus, when you have had, when you were dead in your sins and uncircumcision of, uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins and canceled the debt canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us and has taken it away nailing it to the cross we can't point to, point to, to, to night songs we can't point to things that the pastors say that makes you feel good we point to the cross that is what made us whole and, and, and just like that note that had our church note that said that when it, when it was finally paid off and when it was paid off, $200 a month in the early 1900s. When, when that note, you, you, the, the law is, 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 is the, dope, the debt is cleared and they didn't have to pay on it anymore. And the law is compared to the same thing. It's compared to a certificate of indebtedness written in the debtor's own hand. Jesus was letting us know that we were free. He endured the law's curse against unrighteousness and in the execution and the death sentence that he had, he got nailed to the cross. But because he got nailed to the cross, we don't have to be nailed to the cross. He took all of our sins and put them on the cross. And then it goes on to say, having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them by, or by the cross. Some, some translations say put them to open shame. What does that mean? See, back in those times, you could not, when you won a war, it was more, it, 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 you, you couldn't just beat them in the war. 
and, and then go on back to your country and, and go on about your business. That's not how they handled that. Uh, Rome was especially talented at this, but when they beat someone in, in, a, in a war, when they had defeated a country in the war, they took the general and they paraded them back through the streets showing everybody, hey, look what I did. Had to take them through the streets, behind the chair, chariots, rather, and, and, and everybody had to see why to put it on point, to put, to put it on blast, let everybody know this is who I beat. You don't have to worry about this general anymore. You don't have to worry about this country anymore. I took care of that. Dragged them through the streets. And the same way that that happened, there was, and just like that would happen in the natural, that's what happened in the spiritual. Jesus defeated all of our sins. Put all those sins on a cross. And then dragged that cross through the street. And so while people were mocking him, thinking that, he's still dragging that cross through the street saying, look what I defeated. You don't have to worry about that anymore. I've got this taken care of. And so while they thought that they were shaming Jesus by executing him like a common criminal, he was on putting our sins to shame. And because he was able to do that, we have access to life and life more abundantly. Because he was able to do that, we are able to avoid death, hell, and the grave. Because he's able to do that, we have access to the Father. He put them to open shame. And so because we now know that, we ought not allow somebody to, to change our heads with what those kind of things thinking. We ought not allow people to judge us on what we eat or drink. When he talks about the eating or the drinking or the religious festival or the new moon celebration, even when we got past all of that, there were people within our own ranks saying that we needed more than Jesus. They were concerned about dietary restrictions. And they were concerned about Sabbath keeping and circumcision and all of these different things. Like Jesus needed help. I know you saved us, Jesus, but I'm going to help you save me just a little bit more. I'm going to help you help me get into heaven. You can't do it all by yourself, so allow me to help you out. Allow me to work this out for you. No, that's not what needed to be done. So don't let anybody judge you. Don't anybody tell you that you need more than Jesus. Jesus is all and he is the head of the church this is not my church this is not any of our churches we make up the church but the church is Jesus' church Christ is the head of the church Christ does not need a co-CEO all right. Quite frankly, I get nervous when I see anything that has two CEOs. The last thing I bought that had two CEOs was a Blackberry, and that failed horribly. That's not saying that you don't have people that take input from other people, but when you have two people who are supposed to be the ultimate authority, then what you really have is none. So Christ is the head 
of the church. And because he is the head of the church, we have to be connected to the head of the church. Everything else, the, 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 the whole body, the, the, the ligaments and the sinews and all of that is important. It's very important. But if I were to sprain my knee and tear a ligament in my knee, I'm still okay. If I were to sprain an ankle, pull a hamstring, break a bone, I'm still okay. But if I lose my head, we all going to be in the sanctuary saying, ain't it sweet just to know? Ain't it sweet that someday we'll meet in the sweet by and by we'll be together, you and I? Ain't it sweet just to know that someday we'll meet? For those who do not know, that is a family tradition when anybody on the Bruce side of the family dies. That is a song that we sing during the recessional of the, of, of, of the, of the funeral service. Anybody that's in my grandmother's bloodline, will dr- we, we sing that song. So if I lose my head, we done here. And just as much as the church operates the same way, we'll be able to lose different people. But we cannot lose Jesus. Jesus worked too hard. Stepped down from eternity. Knew no sin. Put on a human body. Had been in eternity and had to learn about time. Had been in eternity and had to feel like, wonder what it's like to get cold now. To be hungry, to get angry, to be frustrated, to be tempted. He, he went through all of that so that he could understand what we went through. He went through all of that and became human so that he could save the humans. He became that which he wanted to save. And he lived a life that none of us else could live. He died a death that none of us could die. He was the perfect sacrifice. And there's no kind of philosophy, no kind of smooth talking, no kind of things that can happen to negate that. Because there were people during that time, not only in the church, but outside of the church. But there are some people that thought that they could negotiate Jesus. Thought that they could demote him to an angel. When it talks about in, 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 the, in the passage about the worshiping of angels, and they, no, Jesus is not an angel. Mm-hmm. The Bible says in John, in the beginning was the Word, mm-hmm. and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. And you scroll down to the 14th verse, it says, and the Word became flesh mm-hmm. and dwelled among us. Jesus is not some angel. Mm-hmm. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. He's not some angel. He's not some philosophy. He's not some smooth talking. This is the son of the living God that died for our sins. And if ever we need to know who to focus on, focus on Jesus. If ever we need to know who to follow, Focus on Jesus, mother to the motherless Jesus, father to the fatherless Jesus, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.